Welcome to Empathy Media, the podcast exploring empathy in action. The Ardlerian Summer School is held every year in the UK, dedicated to exploring the ideas of the 20th century psychologist Alfred Ardler. Ardler's thinking has, seems to me, a very direct relevance to how we live today. Like, for example, the effects on so many of us, whether we're adults or children, of being increasingly glued to our iPhones and iPads. And I was fascinated in this context to listen to the presentation given by Professor Ursula Oberst. She's a practicing Ardlerian psychotherapist working in Spain, but also teaching around the world. We sat down together later that day and I asked her to tell me more about her ideas and her work. Very good to talk to you, Professor Oberst. You've been speaking here at the Adlerian Society in the UK this year about a topic you call cyber psychology. What do you mean by that? Uh, yes, hello, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk here about this exciting new field in psychology. Cyber psychology encompasses uh, all research that has to do with emerging new technologies, digital technologies, the internet in the first place, but also uh, social, online social networks, uh, social media, but it goes on also the relationship uh, with uh, uh, artificial intelligence, with uh, robots as we still call them, and so on. These are things which worry a lot of people, I think. We're concerned about the effect it's having on ourselves and our society. Yes. Do you feel that the, the, the thinking of Alfred Adler has something to bring to our understanding of what's going on? I think so, because uh, one of the main tenets of Adlerian psychology is that uh, humans have... Uh, the basic need of human beings is to belong. To belong to other human beings, to uh, family, to a partner, or, and also kind of whole mankind and to sense this belonging uh, and uh, related to that is also the concept of cooperation and uh, it's not only that you need to feel accepted and valued and taken care of but also that you have the capability to cooperate for the common will. And I think this is an, an important aspect, for instance, when it comes to uh, social media and so online social networking, because it actually is a means to get connected and to stay connected with other people, with friends or family who are not present. So that makes it sound very positive, but yes. it, it may be that, you know, I feel I've got a lot of Facebook friends, but are they really friends in the way in which you're talking about an important psychological connection? Yes, there are positive aspects, important positive aspects. We all uh, are more in contact with absent people. We would have to write letters to and or wouldn't, and so we can just send uh, a WhatsApp and just keep track of them. And But the problem is, for instance, we may get used to just send a, a little WhatsApp, uh, hey, what are you up to? Or And that's, is this really a tight relationship? Or is this just a kind of, hey, I'm there, and not really keeping the bond? Because if you have to write, write a letter, or if you call, ring up the person, or go to their home, then you have a, a more profound conversation, which you usually don't when you just send a WhatsApp. 
So it has its <laughs> advantages and disadvantages. And how would Adler have described those? What's happening in this situation where I'm not connected to a network? Yeah, if you, uh, for instance, if you, uh, we, we speak mainly because most investigations are done with young people, with adolescents or young adults, and uh, especially young people have this need to stay connected with their peers and to be accepted by their peers uh, the pr and uh, keeping track of them at, on Facebook is a good means but for instance if you see that everybody has a wonderful life and posts wonderful pictures and gets a lot of like likes and you you don't then you may feel a felt minus, as Adlerians say. You might get inferiority feelings, and this may lead to an unhealthy compensation. For instance, if you see you don't get likes on your nice pictures, then you may, may post pictures that are uh, nicer, mm -hmm. uh, or more sexy, or more exhibiting things that you normally wouldn't in order just to feel accepted by friends you might not even really know. And this is a big risk for, for young people. So what, what would you say to a young person that came into your therapy room to say, this is happening, I'm, being, I'm either feeling ignored in school or even worse, I'm being bullied? Yeah, I think it's, uh, this uh, young person needs, uh, needs help and it's not just about telling him stop it or don't do it. Uh, I encourage people to uh, engage on the social uh, networks because it's what everybody does and it, it's healthy and it's fun. But you have to have also friends you meet face to face. And if you uh, feel that others bully you online, then you have to seek help uh, with teachers, with parents or other adults that just don't let it happen. But I want to try and get what's the Adlerian next step. So I've got this problem, I'm feeling a felt minus. Yeah. How can you help me? Yeah, if you feel a felt minus, then you want to go to felt plus. The problem is, as Adler teaches, that uh, people tend to overcompensate and not just get better but they feel to do they overdo they overdose and just uh, instead of uh, talking to people and say hey I sent you a nice picture why don't you give me a like so that you send more pictures and do more of the same and that becomes unhealthy so uh, and to cooperate the cooperation means that I get together with other friends and, and say, hey, this, this one is uh, sending uh, strange pictures or this one is kind of bullying others and just be, uh, be aware of what's going on. And uh, yeah, and also trust in, in adult people. And this is also at Larian, that you seek, seeking help and seeking cooperation and we resolve, I have a problem and I resolve it, not just on my own, but with others. Then this is, uh, yeah, let's say at Larian, but it's also common sense, isn't it? Oh, so you yeah. think Adler is common sense? Oh, yes, it? yes. Adler actually was criticized for that. And after a conference he gave, he was, but you don't totally just speak common sense. 
And then he replied something like, oh, I wish more psychologists would speak common sense. And um, yeah, I think it's a good psychology because it's commonsensical. And uh, we obviously don't know what he would say uh, with respect to new technologies, but basically it's the same. Uh, we want to be accepted and uh, that's very important and we also wanted to be accepted online. But uh, there are other fields, I mean, studies for instance show that um, the maladaptive use of certain sites and certain applications on the internet leads to considerable psychological problems, really to addictive-like uh, behaviors, like, uh, for instance, these games, um, these online multiple, uh, multiple multiplayer online role-playing games, uh, what happens to them? The world goes on even when I get disconnected. When uh, mom calls me for supper, I have to shut down the computer, but my friends keep going and the world goes on, the, the online world goes on. So I, lens, uh, I lose my sense of belonging. And uh, uh, parents also have to understand this. And then they have to come to an agreement of a specific hours and the young person has to accept that sometimes the world goes out without, without us and we find other worlds and other uh, situations. You mentioned belonging, is that an important concept for Adler? Yes, as I said before, the need to belong is and other uh, most, most psychologists and researchers in the psychological field would agree this. For instance, Baumeister and Leary, who in several articles explained that need to belong as a basic need. But there's also the need to, for autonomy. And Adler recognizes that it's not just of belonging, uh, but it also is about that I want what I want and I want to go in my way. And this sometimes is a contradiction with my need to belong. If I want to belong, then I uh, yeah, just go on Facebook and put more pictures in or, or more interesting stuff. But I also need to be autonomous and have things gone my way and not only as my friends and my peers say it has to. And so young people also have to develop this autonomy. So when you talk about belonging, is it possible to belong online as strongly as one can belong in a human family or a human social group? If I'm playing a game, let's say, day after day, I think it gives you a sense of belonging, uh, but it is a world that goes on and off and it changes more than a family changes. And I'm convinced personally that face-to-face uh, -face relationships, family, friends, partnership, are, give us a higher sense of belonging than online relationships. I mean, people do all sorts of things online and, and they feel belonging. It helps. It is additional. And if it is used uh, properly, it, it is additional. If it is 
used maladaptively, it can diminish your sense of belonging. For instance, if you uh, use online relationships to compensate for the lack of face-to-face -face relationships, then it's dangerous. And there's also the field of adult pages. Uh, people go there and find a kind of satisfaction. They get really, literally addicted. Oh, you're talking about pornography now. Of course, yeah. I don't know who listens, but I'm talking about that. And these uh, people really develop behavioral addictions and changes in the uh, their brain mechan the the physiology of the brain, and that can be measured. And then they fail to develop healthy relationships with a partner. And this is a big problem and it's growing, it's growing. So in the world of psychotherapy then, is there a whole new range of patients, let's call them, or clients who are coming into therapy since this new world opened up? Oh yes, oh yes. There are uh, therapists, uh, specialists in people for so-called internet addiction. Of course, they're not addicted to the internet, but they have addictions on the internet, on pornography, on gaming and on gambling. Because you, internet uh, triggers and enables uh, it, because you just don't need to go to a casino or to buy online or to buy a pornography or to go to uh, specific uh, locations or uh, for gambling you can just do online poker and lose a lot of money and it's a lonely business and um, yeah it's very detrimental to, to health and uh, you need a therapist specialized in that area. Is there a lot of research going on on oh, yes. all these different fields? Mm. There's a lot of research into cyberpsychologies. There are academic degrees. There, in in the UK, we have a at uh, Nottingham Trent, for instance. I don't. I know this one. I don't know others. There uh, is a master's uh, for cyberpsychology. There are scientific journals which publish a lot and they're highly valued. And I think it's a growing field in psychology. What happens when we go beyond the social media to what people sometimes call the Internet of Things? Yeah. Uh, how is that going to affect our own psychology and our own relationships? Yeah, um, I was pretty much interested in how our relationship our humans' relationships will develop with that technology. So, for instance, if we uh, have um, a self-driving car, yeah, what what relationship will, will we have to to that car? And when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence that is given a human-like form. You can give it the form of a toaster, you can give it the form of an animal, you can give it the form of a human, and you interact with them. It's just in development, but uh, you, you may call in a, into a call center and be replied by, by artificial intelligence, and you don't even know it. Yeah? And this is already happening. And uh, uh, robots, androids, or human 
like uh, um, robots are being developed to take care of the elderly in institutions or to help in medicine and they're just given a human human-like form they need don't need to have the human-like form to be efficient but uh, they substitute uh, uh, human work they um, and people get laid of the for their jobs because a machine is now doing it and this gives a lot of inferiority feelings uh, because the machine is better than you it's just not does a function which is boring to you but it's they will be it is predicted and I don't know that they will be more intelligent and more efficient than humans and what will we become as human beings and I think there's a great deal of inferiority feelings underway. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I mean, in chess, for example, now we no longer think that humans are the chess masters of the world. No. We are no. now number two. Yeah. So I suppose that does give us, in our Lyrian terms, terms uh, an inferiority position. Yeah, you can just refuse to uh, play against the machine. You're still able to do that and just... Uh, because what sense does it have for a human to play against the machine? Because humans belong to humans and not to machines. They want to belong to humans and not to robots. And they also want to cooperate with humans. And there might be also a movement of refusal and, and uh, struggling against the uh, prevalence of too many machines in our life. I have no idea. I'm a psychologist, not a... <laughs> uh, and are you going to be replaced by a machine before too long? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be. Yeah, the machine teachers, machine therapists. Yeah, that, that could be. Yeah. There are already experiments being done and there are prototypes of uh, uh, algorithms, which is the technical word, uh, for uh, doing psychological interventions, not as not as good as I, <laughs> but maybe one day they will. Yeah. So how do we all respond as people who are teachers or doctors, never mind therapists, or people who I don't know what make things in factories or um, I don't yeah. know make write books? How are we to respond to the this? Um, wave coming towards us together uh, when I give these conferences I, I have no answer I uh, just want to raise people's consciousness and there are good books written about this topic if you want to uh, uh, be informed of what's going on there's a, a lot of books now being written uh, one of the most famous is now the Harari's Homo Deus or Techmark's uh, Life 3.3.0. Uh, these are interesting books, but uh, there are lots more. And uh, I think uh, it is important for everybody and for Adlerians, as we are, to take a stance. Do we want these developments and how do we want uh, these devel developments to evolve? Uh, as still we can have an opinion and we can change things. Maybe one day we can't anymore because what well, that's the uh, worst <laughs> the worst case that artificial intelligence has taken over the world and we're just um, like kind of useless. 
And that's the worst thing a human being can uh, happen, to be useless, because it's uh, another one of the most important needs of a human being to contribute, to be of use, to useful, and together with belonging. And this will not change uh, in the future. And so uh, I think uh, a way to give an answer to this is just to get together and talk about it and take a stance and uh, yeah, influence but not as an individual, but as a group. Mm. Can I ask more about the kind of techniques that lie behind the thinking of an art leader in an approach to psychotherapy? I mean, I've heard some of the terms. Perhaps you could explain a bit more how it works. So one of them would be the early remembering, is it, or early memories? Yeah, this, this is besides the technological... I'm technological, now just more generally about... <laughs> yeah, about Adlerian psychology. Mm. The gold standard of Adlerian uh, assessment, uh, personality assessment and intervention is the work with early recollections, because in these early recollections we find uh, uh, the lifestyle of the person. Lifestyle means the way the person has of dealing with the world, with himself, with others, and uh, his or her goals in life, and how to achieve it. You can have, well, the utmost goal, of course, is belonging, but it is interesting how people uh, differentiate in the way they try to achieve belongingness. I can uh, achieve belongingness by contributing, by helping others, by doing with what others say, by submitting myself to others, by dominating others, by uh, making, giving myself an importance, by narcissism. People have all sorts of ways they believe they can achieve belongingness. And we see this in their early memories. We take early memories as, as a metaphor of their lifestyle. And if we have uh, a client and we want to make him or her see uh, how she faces life, we use, we how can she use faces the, what? life, life, life mm -hmm. tasks. Mm -hmm. Adler talked about three life tasks, which is work, uh, friendship or social life, and an intimacy or love. And um, lifestyle can be seen in every expression and of how we, how, let's say, how we speak and how we work is also an expression of our lifestyle. But um, if we want to learn more about the lifestyle, we use the early recollections and this is... But how does it connect? How does what I happen to remember in the past connect to my lifestyle today? We see uh, early recollections as a metaphor of how we are. These are the stories we tell ourselves just to uh, reaffirm to us that we are this and these are our strategies in life. Uh, uh, for instance, a life can, if we have an early memory of uh, somebody who's very well taken care of by his parents, so it in this life, in this memory, this is obviously a positive memory, but if we can see that the child is pampered by uh, her parents, then she might have a rather getting lifestyle. But 
Excuse me, this is not uh, just uh, linear, it's just an example, it could be also different, so yes. we have to go into it. It would be quite a different interview. <laughs> but yeah. just to understand, because I think it's very fascinating for people, suppose then I come with a problem and we look at a lifestyle and a pattern that I've achieved, but I've got a problem today, so how mm. do I change that lifestyle, how do I mm. adapt? Yeah. Uh, How do you help me, I should say? Yeah, uh, if you have a problem, in, let's say in the couple or uh, in, in, at work or with your children or with yourself, then uh, we use the early recollections and the lifestyle to see uh, how the strategy developed early in life is maybe maladaptively used to solve the problem because a strategy that is developed to deal with the problems early in life uh, is used as a default strategy by the person and it might work in most occasions but we might be facing a problem situation where this strategy, default strategy, does not work. For instance, uh, getting uh, yeah, be, for instance, uh, a funny child in order to be accepted. It may work, uh, yeah, I make fun, I laugh, I'm happy, and this gets me many friends. But in, in work, for instance, if I'm faced with a problem, it might not work. So uh, we make the client see how she uses the strategy when it's not appropriate and how she can modify the strategy to deal better with the problem. When it comes to disorders, for instance for depression, a really full-blown anxiety, we have to use other techniques as well. It's not the, the one and only strategy, but it's a kind of uh, good way of seeing the personality, so to say. Lifestyle is a bit more than personality, but because it contains unconscious aspects, personality refers more to conscious aspects. And um, yeah, and then we can also work uh, with unconscious aspects, not in a more psychoanalytic way, but in its own Adlerian style. So to someone who doesn't know much about psychotherapy, it sounds like this is rather quick and rather attractive because the old image was that you lie on a couch for year after year going back over your deep childhood. Mm -hmm. But it sounds as though people maybe are able to change much more quickly with this approach. Yeah, the idea of course it's to change much more quickly than with psychoanalysis, of course. It is a short approach, it's a short psychotherapy approach. Uh, it can used to for counseling on problems but you can also go deeper for more um, more deeper problems and more uh, severe pathology psychopathology um, I want to pay, uh, point out that there are other therapies that are also useful for instance cognitive behavior strategy has proven to be very useful in dealing with symptoms. So we at Larians, when we have a patient with symptoms, we may additionally use 
techniques from cognitive behaviors. Like therapy. what? I don't know what that means. Really. Uh, for instance, um, desens progressive desensitization, just to want to go through. A phobia, for instance, you just, uh, phobia for spiders, so you uh, have to approach, from a distance you see the spiders and you approach and then you breathe and yeah, stuff like that. Or we change your thinking behavior uh, or stop uh, uh, thinking or distracted or thinking, exchange one way of interpreting to another. I mean, yeah, there are useful techniques from other therapies. For instance, I also use techniques stemming from systemic family therapy. So Adlerian psychology is, uh, is very useful for uh, for personality aspects, for dealing with life, and but it's also very open to. It's theoretically consistent, but it is uh, technically eclectic. So you can also use other techniques. So it's not exclusive. You mentioned working with families, and what is this thing called sculpting that you do? <laughs> okay, sculpting. Uh, is a technique that I have taken from systemic family therapy that is a brief way to, to see the relational dynamics of a family or a group or uh, of a couple. And we ask one member or the member who's in counseling to uh, make a sculpture, you can also say a picture, photograph, of uh, their family using other members. Of course, you, it's a good uh, way to work when you have all family members or when you are uh, in a group and uh, members of the group use, uh, are used to be the substitute of the father, the mother and so on. And there are different techniques. It is very useful in couple therapy because I ca can ask the couple first one, for instance the, the woman, to sculpt how she sees the um, partnership and then I ask, for instance, the man and to do the same. And it's very interesting when we see differences and uh, it's very uh, revealing to the, the, oh yeah, I didn't know that you see it like that. And, you, and it's uh, as a diagnostic and uh, of the relationship and as a first step to make changes a very strong technique. Can it lead on to people making changes? Yes, it's a first step, yes, of course. I can, for instance, ask the couple to sculpt the two together without speaking, to sculpt the ideal relationship. And then we see what one has to do and what the other has to do, which movement, this is very Adlerian, Adlerians talk about movement, which movement has to do either partner to uh, achieve this uh, ideal relationship or the, the, the relationship both want to. Thank you so much. This has been fascinating. I have one last question, if I may, or area of questions, and that's about morality. Does this approach, this whole way of thinking, in a way replace other forms of morality? Because when, as I understand it, you're not saying the right thing for this person to do is what Kant would have called the categorical imperative. It's not what 
a utilitarian might say, I'm taking the action which does the most good for the most people, creates the most happiness. No, I'm doing what fulfills my personal needs. Can't that sound to a moralist or an ethicist a rather basically selfish approach to making a better world? Oh, this is not a larian to fulfill my own needs, to fulfill my own needs within the needs of the others. And that's the, it's, it's a balance. Uh, Adler says uh, that, uh, talks about social interest, and social interest means feeling, belonging, and cooperating, and not only for my uh, good, but also for the good of the others. And not only for the good of the others and not mine, but as I am part of the group, of the community, so we have to take care of the good of the whole group, the whole family. And this is about cooperation. It's not about altruism, it's not about egoism. It's my good within the good of the others. And that's uh, the morality of Adler. So, uh, yeah, and it's the meaning of life. He wrote a book called The Meaning of Life, or What Life Should Mean to I think there two books, What Life Should Mean to, to You. And it's about living together. It's about community. It's about working together for progress. This could be technical progress, and it could be, but it is meant to overcome the natural difficulties of life, of the weather, of nature, of food, the need for food. It's better to do it together than on your own. And it is really an idealistic view of Adler. And um, some people might think, oh, you are you good, do, do goodest, and uh, you're innocent people. But it's, I think it's the only way the world goes better. And, but some people might not be interested in improving things and that the problems of our world be resolved. There are people interested in having the, in there being wars and famine. It's not that all people are good, but if we try to make the world a bit better, then we become maybe uh, Adlerians, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you very, very much indeed. That's Thanks to you. Absolutely marvelous. Thank you very, very much. <laughs>